You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. Today's guest is Alexander Sevelius, the CMO at One.io. So I think one of the great pitfalls of, of content marketing is like putting so much effort into creating like a really good guide, for example, and then you kind of put it on your website to die. Like you just expect people to find it. Of course, if it's, you know, SEO optimized, someone will eventually find it. But that's like you're missing all the potential. Like you're completely forgetting that you need to market it as well. Like you're not done. We are back with another episode of the SaaS Nordic podcast and we hope you are fine. It's the end of the year and I know that some of you have a lot to do. Daniel, do you have a lot to do? Always. We have always lots to do, but it's a good thing. I think it's a luxury problem. We have lots of things, lots of events, lots of uh, meetups, lots of things. And lots of fun. And lots of fun. Always lots of fun. And one thing that I would like to highlight is that uh, we have the sassiest CEO network. It's actually the largest CEO network in Europe, and it's open for applications. So it might be a late, late application here, but you can head over to sasnordic.com. And under communities, you find the CEO network page. And also, if you're a VP or a C-level at a company with more than 2 million euro in ARR, you can also apply for the executive network. That I think we have nine different categories of networks there. So check that out. Yes. Today, what are we going to talk about today, Dan? We're going to talk today about uh, the differences a little bit between marketing when you work for a big company with lots of resources, talent, and so on versus when you run a marketing organization where you don't have the same freedom in resource allocation. Smaller budgets, smaller teams. What is the difference? What can we learn from each other? And what could be better than to talk to a person that has done both of these things? So, yeah, let's start with that. Today, we are very happy to welcome Alexandra Sevelius, the CMO at One.io, as a guest here in the podcast. So welcome, Alexandra. Nice to have you. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting. Uh, it's really great to have you here. And you're also one of the SaaS Nordic content contributors, and you've contributed with some thought leadership pieces to our community-driven news site. And it's great to finally have you here in audio, in visuals as well. So let's see where this takes us. It's, it's going to be exciting. So, Alexandra, please, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, so, I've, I've worked in, in, in B2B SaaS for the past eight years. Uh, I started off my career at Relux Solutions and basically kind of grew there uh, with the team. And um, just now, then this year, decided it was time to, you know, try try out my wings uh, somewhere else and take take all the learnings from from that time. But um, basically, for the whole time, and what I'm doing now as well is is, is scaling the marketing. Uh, trying to figure out what's the what's the best way to 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 market uh, a B two B SaaS solution. That is great, and and tell us a little bit about the business you're representing here. Like, you know, what are you guys all about, and who are you actually helping here? So uh, today I work at uh, One.io, and uh, our solution helps IT service providers to collaborate seamlessly with uh, all their internal and external parties by basically taking service integrations out of their hands. So we're all about uh, service integrations. And who works with service integrations, it's basically 
teams that provide and manage IT services either internally. Uh, so in big enterprises, they have teams that do that internally, or then uh, there are companies that do that as their own business. So basically manage uh, the IT services of, of other companies. And we basically, both of those would be ideal customers for, for us. Right. All right. And who's the persona that you target? It's basically, it depends a little bit uh, on uh, on the um, kind of if it's internal or, or external, but uh, CIOs um, and then kind of the, the lower uh, level kind of directors within service architectures, service integrations, um, things like that. Okay. Very cool. We see this as a, you know, the, I don't know what you call it, the integration space, but it's a hot space and there's some Finnish players in this space as well. Like, I don't know what, what's happening in Finland. Like, it's a, it's a hot potato over there. Like, but please, please continue exporting. They like to connect stuff. It comes from Nokia. We connect people. Now you connect platforms. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think it's very, I don't know, it's, it's the, the kind of the IT uh industry here is quite kind of blossoming uh you know we have we have wood we have pulp uh and you know we have tech right excellent so just to put things in perspective walk us through some of the numbers here like you know what is your current arr how fast are you guys growing and and tell us a little bit how many customers you have around the world here Mm -hmm. um so currently our our arr for this year is going to close at about 4 million euros um and we're actually looking to basically now take quite a, a big leap during during next year and, and and take our growth number up to 100%. So we've there's been kind of steady growth in the past years but uh since this spring when IO got uh our series A funding round which was 7.2 million and and the whole um kind of idea of that is is really to accelerate our growth in central Europe and North America. So going from like 30 to 50 percent growth to actually now really kind of taking this hyperscale route uh during next year right and no pressure and so they hired you and it's like okay we have some funding we now have alexandra 50 50 percent growth that's in the past now we were doing 100 i like that exactly (laughs) exactly so luckily they've also hired a bunch of wonderful sales uh, colleagues so it's it's not just on me but uh, you know we're gonna make it happen during next year so how many employees are you guys right now so currently uh, around 60 employees uh, actually from 19 different nationalities um, oh wow and yeah so very very kind of already very very global in that sense right uh, we have 85 customers uh, mostly in in the Nordics and uh, in the kind of German speaking areas as well um, but um, North America is then where we're kind of heading to next. Right. All right. So has that been a, a strategy from the beginning? I mean, ha- having a lot of nationalities to maybe be a global company from from the get-go? Yeah, and I would say it's also about kind of not limiting yourself. Yeah. Like, you know, we're looking for talented, you know, skilled people. And, you know, if you kind of from the get-go say, like, we're all going to work in English, then you know, you can leverage that and, and be kind of a, a welcoming employer from for anyone. Right. Uh, so most of our, our colleagues are based here in, in Helsinki, um, but then we also have some some friends in, in, in Germany and, and North America already. Okay. All right. So when we got to know you, you worked as a VP of marketing at Relic Solution, uh, probably the largest B2B SaaS companies in Finland, at least, and competing with maybe Fort Knox and Wisma in, in, in Sweden and Norway. But uh, 
you then went to these smaller startup and that's what we're going to talk about today the the learnings of going from a hyperscale company to a startup so to start somewhere here what would you say what's different in running a big versus a small marketing operation mm -hmm. so when i left relax uh, i had a team of, of almost 40 people um in i think eight different countries um so the very kind of tangible difference is that now i have all my colleagues in the same room with me and that's that's fantastic so um even though i feel like an important part is you know building like a team spirit and building a good culture also within the team that can be more easily done uh in in, in a scale up where or a startup where we're all all kind of sitting together uh but of course you know budget is is another big difference so when you when you've had you know got to the funding of 500 million versus 7.2 you you have kind of different different tools to play with um and and then also just in general resources so i would say at uh, at Relex, of course, a lot of um, a lot of my team members were kind of based in the different uh, local offices, so they were focusing very much on doing the marketing in in the local, like for the for that specific market. Uh, which means that the more markets you have, the more people you kind of need, the more money you need to be able to do things locally. Right. So now, when we have you know less markets, um, of course, it's a bit it's a bit more focused as well. Mm. But uh, but it's kind of constantly this balance of uh kind of yeah what do we do with with the resources that we have uh, that we have at hand what do we what do we focus on because we can't do everything but i would still say that's an issue for marketing always right i'm a little bit curious here you know i come from the sales world and it's not always true but in 90 percent of the cases it's true we usually say that you know somebody that has been let's say a vp of sales for a really big organization no names mentioned, but you know, if it's the size of a Salesforce, <laughs> maybe that person has done really well there and he or she is not necessarily then a good fit for a startup where you have three salespeople and just building up your SDR function and so on, because the motions are very different, the mechanics are different and so on. Like, is this true also for a VP marketers? Like... Can everybody be a VP marketer in both of this, you know, big company and small companies? What is the difference there? What's the mindset that needs to take place and, and the actual, you know, skill set that you need to have? Yeah, I, I can uh, definitely, definitely agree with that. I think what kind of makes the transition easier is, is you know, Relax was basically a startup when when I joined that team. Right. So, you know, I built it from the scratch kind of, from scratch there and now i'm kind of doing the same but um i i think the, the big thing to remember is like you just have to get your hands dirty like you can't just sit somewhere and be like oh i you know all i all i've done quote unquote is you know build a plan and build a budget and now someone has to actually execute it like no i also have to uh, i don't know we're doing a direct mail campaign right now and i will be writing the you know the addresses on on the actual things that we're sending like i will have to do that myself because there's no one else who who can do that but at the same time i i really believe that that will help the salespeople in in uh you know opening up some new doors so you kind of you at the same time as i'm of course responsible for making sure that there's a plan that there are processes in place that help my team do their job 
I will still have to do the job with them because you can't, you just can't say like, oh, that's above or below my pay grade somehow, <laughs> you know, like you just get your hands dirty. Yeah. And uh, we, we've had similar discussions with uh, Jonathan Bean from uh, Singed and he talked about the evolution of a marketing team and the different talents. And he talked about in the beginning for startups or early stage companies, you need marketeers that are this T-shaped they can do a little bit of everything. They know enough about content, paid marketing, and so on. What would you say, because you said you're, you're hands-on here, for anybody that wants to take on a VP marketing role in a startup like this, what are the key skill set he or she needs to possess to drive this besides and beyond just the planning exercise? That's a good question. I would say if they are able to do content, that is going to be helpful um at least as far as kind of creating some sort of a, a good plan a good strategy on like wh what kind of content should we be creating because i i strongly believe that marketing should be more about educating the buyer rather than just pushing at least kind of in a in a sales-led approach uh when you're selling to enterprises it should be more about yeah educating kind of this hubspot style of of, of marketing where you're not just like buy the product, mm -hmm. like all the advertising you do can't just be like buy me, uh, but rather like let me teach you how to do your job more easily or more efficiently or, or you know, something like that. So if you're able to produce content, then, you know, that's, that, that's great. Um, I'm not that great at producing content for uh, service integrations. Um, so my, my first kind of, task was to hire a, a content manager, uh, someone who can really take all the wealth of knowledge that we already have and, and you know, put that in a package that, that the buyers are interested in, in consuming. Okay, so was that your first hire in your marketing organization or? Yes. Okay, what's going to be your next? Uh, field marketing. Uh, so especially when we're going to North America, I, I really believe in general that um, for a company like ours, that events and, and kind of localizing campaigns is going to be key for us to really get that message out there. It's, it all kind of starts from the content, like you have to have good content, but then someone else needs to also take that content to the world. So I think one of the great pitfalls of, of content marketing is like putting so much effort into creating like a really good guide, for example, and then you kind of put it on your website to die. Like you just expect people to find it. Of course, if it's, you know, SEO optimized, someone will eventually find it. But that's like you're missing all the potential. Like you're completely forgetting that you need to market it as well. Like you're not done. You just wrote something. You actually need to do some marketing. Right. Um, and that's where I think the field marketers come in. And that's why I, I wrote the, uh, the blog post about, about field marketers basically as well, because I feel like they are kind of, I don't know, if you want to have like an A-star team, you need, you need content marketing and you, you need field marketers. We love field marketers for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you compare with when you started at Relics eight to nine years ago and how you built up the marketing department there, what can you see? What are the differences and... Yeah, how do you do it now? And is it because it's other times now? Or did you learn some things when you did it at Relics that you want to sort of apply now? 
one of the big learnings um, that kind of in a way came organically um, at RealX, but was kind of the power of having like a very specific target audience and really kind of understanding um, yeah, who your buyer is. And this sounds like such like, duh, like if you read any marketing book, they're going to tell you like, what's the buyer persona and like target your marketing to that, like obviously, but it, it, it still means for startups that you really have to focus. You really have to say like, okay, our product could probably mean uh, give value to all of these types of industries, for example, but let's focus on one and let's win in that industry before we go into the next industry. Um, so as that became kind of clear within um, within the organization as well, just in general, because sales needs that information as well. They also need to know who they should be targeting. Um, so that's that's something that I kind of learned throughout that path that actually really doing account-based marketing and sales is, is the way to do kind of uh, a sales-led approach. Um, and so that's easier for me now to just say, okay, let's let's just figure out kind of exactly who are, let's say, the top 200 customers that we want to sell to in uh, in a specific region, and then just focus on those with like all the means, all the tools that you have in a marketing toolbox. Um, it, it took longer to figure that out okay. uh, previously, but in a way it's also because it is kind of trendy, but, but I, I don't think it's just good because it's like a trend to do account-based marketing in sales and i mean since since uh, you're still quite small operations uh, uh, i mean it, it can be a big undertaking to get this in place the foundation to do account-based marketing in a good way but uh, yeah do you have any sort of tips on how you can get this started even if you're not a, a big operation yeah i i think the key and this is also like such a textbook uh, thing, but like is is actually to have that sales alignment. And I've been I've been really kind of thinking like how how come we we have such good alignments currently with our with our sales lead because it really helps me do my job so much better. But it's it's you know this mentality of like help me help you. But uh, but I've been you know having to wonder a little bit like how how did we get to this this point? But I think from the get go it was very clear like. This is what I think marketing can do in this organization. But to be able to do that, I need sales to work with me. And kind of constantly uh, coming back and giving feedback to each other. Like, okay, if we want to do a campaign for a specific industry, then I need this from you, but I can provide you with this. And then the results will be these. And that's where we're kind of, we're still learning. Uh, you know, I've only been here for uh, for three months. but um, but just this, there's a completely different attitude here. And I think it also, in a way, comes from, from the CEO that kind of sales and marketing, you are together, figure it out together. Um, and, and, and that's what we're doing. And, and both kind of on the level of like with the sales lead, but also with um, the regional heads uh, that we have in the, different, in the different regions. But yeah, long story short, just kind of. I, I, I don't know. It's it's so cliche, but like it just doesn't work if sales and marketing aren't working together. Yeah, right, right. I, I think a lot of people listening to this, they would be able to sign under on that and say like, yes. And I think many of us have experienced that live that sometimes there's a little bit of a glitch and gap. Based on what you said, I'm a little bit curious here because as a marketing team, you can support in so many ways. It's about you know creating that demand, capturing demand, 
supporting uh, the active pipe, making sure deals move and progress and so on, and dealing with customers after the fact so they buy more or partners or whatever it is, maybe even educating internal salespeople on the new product releases. There's like a gazillion things you can be involved in. But when you have limited resources and limited time, like where do you focus? I'm assuming here that Relix could do all of these things end to end. But I'm also assuming that maybe you can't do all of these things 100%. So like, how do you prioritize? Mm. Yeah, we we basically... So w- when I started here, it was very clear to me that I'm, I'm going from a situation where I, I can do most things because, you know, there's kind of, there are the people to do it and there's the, there was the money to do it. Right. And, um, and I, I'm not going to be able to do that. First of all, we're now a team of four. Um, so it was very clear to me that there, and as you know, everyone thinks they, they know how to do marketing. So there's always someone who's like, oh, why don't we do why don't we do this? Let's have that kind of an event or why don't we have random swag or I don't know. Um, but so I kind of, I, I manifested, you know, I wrote down like uh, before I started, like just kind of keep the focus, like don't take, don't start 15 different projects because I'm not that good of a project manager that I could even like, you know, get that done. So for example, now of all the things, Daniel, that you were saying, we basically agreed with the management team that, you know, the sole purpose of marketing right now is to get more logos. Is just, we're not going to, you know, we're going to do minimal effort on, for example, uh, existing customers, even though, to be fair, it, that's a very important, um, I mean, customers are always important, don't get me wrong, but like there's there's a lot of potential within our existing customers as well. But um, but kind of we'll, we'll do that with minimal effort. So if you ever have to make a decision, then you know that if, if this is this, you know, option A is going to give you more uh, customers, then just go for that. Um, and I think in general, I have to say, like, even with a team of 40 and even with like all, all not, not all the resources in the, in the world, but still, um, I, that it's it's a constant struggle with marketing because we could do so much like oh let's start a community let's start a, uh, a skills academy let's do this let's do yeah. you just every day you have to make a deliberate decision to not to do things and and I think the the biggest skill that a marketer needs to have is to be able to say no in a way where you know, if you're asking, basically, the question is always like, how do I get more leads? Right. In in essence, that's all of the ideas. It all comes down to like, okay, so what's the goal, Daniel? What are you trying to achieve with, with this thing that you're asking me to do? Okay, well, I can't do that, because that's going to take a lot of time to do to do. But I'm already working on something that is going to get us to the same goal. Right. So like, I would rather do less things and do them like really well. And, and like, kind of leverage, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but like leverage the shit out of, for example, an event or a piece of content, repurpose, reuse, get as much out of it as possible before you move on to the next thing and somehow have like, how does this all relate together? Like why don't just do one-offs? Like you're going to kill marketing by doing one-offs. Right. Three ways to fail in sales, brought to you by Memory. One, clog your pipeline. The fuller it is, the fuller you'll feel. Tip two, 
Never use a plan. Predictability? Eh, that's just boring. Three, forget the CRM. Probably sucks anyway. If you're ready to take control of your sales and make how you sell your competitive advantage, try Membrane for free today at Membrane.com. So what, what do you say about channels of preference? What is suitable when you're a smaller organization? And so uh, what would you say? Clearly not build a community. I don't know. <laughs> I think every, everybody should build a community. No, it's stupid. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do a community. You do it. You do it. You're much better okay, at it. Okay, <laughs> okay. Fine, fine, fine. Okay, so what are, what are the right channels? Um, obviously, I'd love to say like just d- digital channels because... Still, what you want to do is you want to do things scalably. And how do you how do you do that? Well, kind of the most easy way to to do it is, for example, LinkedIn ads or Google ads or other other kind of uh, digital digital um, channels as well. But at the same time, in in this kind of an industry where we basically have a very set kind of uh, finite number of, of 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 prospects, yes, the IT kind of. Uh, landscape is is huge, but if you if you really segment and you really drill down, you can really figure out like these are the, for example, again top two hundred uh, customers that you want to go after. Um, why not do direct mail campaigns, like actually sending something to them, which is gonna kind of everyone is getting emails, everyone's getting LinkedIn in mails or LinkedIn messages. We're seeing ads everywhere we go, um, but how often do you, for example? receive something in the mail um so that's one of the things yeah so here's an obvious question alexandra maybe you don't want to spoil this but what's in the direct mail uh, send out the first one that i'm that i'm gonna try is it's basically like and this can actually like okay now i'm giving like the the pro tip pro tip to anyone because i think this can actually be like leveraged for basically any company it's 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 a pillowcase okay um and it's empty and the whole kind of the 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 message is that you know you're i hope you're not sleeping well exactly well that's the thing like you're not (laughs) sleeping well because you're like integrations are a pain in the ass they're costly most of the time they fail um, your, you know, your company isn't scaling at the at the speed it should be because you're not doing things that's like your core business because you're having to take care of these stupid integrations. So, you know, here's a pillowcase, um, but it's empty because you, you know, you're not going to sleep well with it, and you're going to need something like One IO to fill your pillowcase so that you uh-huh. have like this, like an amazing uh, night of sleep. Smart. And I'm, you know, obviously I'm hoping that I get to fill as many of these pillowcases with actual pillows. Um, but, but you know, so it's yes, of course, it's 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 taking time. We're having to research where, uh, you know, what the addresses are. We're having to obviously make a very specific list. These are the people we want to target. Um, oh, wouldn't it be so fun if actually someone was listening? to this podcast and then they received one of our pillowcases uh, <laughs> well you know you know where to find me if that happens yeah um how did you come up with the idea was that a sort of a revelation in the sauna uh, late night or <laughs> no actually like it, i don't know it came up just like in conversation at the at the office like and then i just kind of the the thing is like i i, I really feel like i've done these direct mail campaigns in the past and they've they've worked quite well um and uh, we were kind of playing with the idea, and, uh, and then I think it was actually our CEO who said, uh, "Oh, you know, they they would like these people would like to sleep better. Uh, they should have good pillows." Okay. So now we're in the business of you know 
Getting pillows. Buying <laughs> pillowcases. So, so I'm curious, what, what is the call to action? So like they open this up, they, they read a letter, and is there a link there? Is there a phone number? Is there like, like how, what happens next if they think like this was fun? So basically, uh, it's kind of just a, a regular signature. There is, you know, there is a, a specific person who's sending it. It's their telephone number. It's their email address. But I actually don't believe that people are going to directly pick up the phone and be like, oh, my God, I love you guys. And I love this pillowcase. I still think we're going to still have to be doing the follow up that they're not just going to come to us and be like, you're amazing. This is so funny. Yeah. Um, so in that way, the you know, we can we have a you know, we have a, a, a goal that they will kind of, uh, you know, turn into into opportunities. But it's still. The, my the actual goal is that they will then actually answer the phone or actually uh, answer the email when we reach out to them again yeah. because they're like oh you were that funny company that sent me a pillowcase so to be honest like again it's like with everything in marketing I don't think it's like a one trick pony where we just send pillowcases and you know we can send like a an order form and then they'll just return it signed um, I don't think that's gonna happen I think it's good to keep some of the mystery around it right it shouldn't be too uh, too much in your face but uh, yeah i think it was a really really fun idea here so random tangent yeah a little bit of a sidetrack but uh, let's let's move on uh, and see where we can go here all right so uh, what would you say a smaller marketing organization can learn from from a bigger one I think all marketing organizations can just in general learn to to be very focused because it's 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 a problem for for everyone that there are so only so many hours in the day and so many things that you could do so really really have a clear understanding of where where you're going but then also to build everything you do in a way where it will be then easy to scale uh, obviously, that's a bit funky to say right after I've said, like, let's do direct mail campaigns because that's not very scalable. But there <laughs> are companies who also offer that as a service. So, you know, you can always use those as well. But um, and document everything. So I think kind of bigger companies often have very like good processes and routines and, and kind of, you know, retros and kickoffs and things like that. And I think that's kind of the key that anything you do, you actually document in a way where it's easy to go back and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we did this a year ago. Let's do it again. And we have the script. Everything is like already planned out. Okay. Okay. So not everything is linked to just a big budget. Some things you can, like some of the planning exercise, like you just mentioned, anybody can steal that. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit, like, I, I know there's lo lots of uh, CMOs or VP of marketeers listening to, to our show here, and, and particularly this episode, I'm sure. Like, and, and some of them will find themselves in a similar situation, building their marketing team from the ground up. What would be your three main tips? Like, what do they need to think about to make it right now and also for the future? Mm, really focus on... Uh, your hires so you're not going to be able to hire a, a big team um and one i think very good tip that i've received is like especially when you're when you're hiring kind of a team from scratch is um have approximately like 75 percent of the team be quite senior so that they can really hit the ground running so even if they are generalists that they would have 
been in a similar situation in the past. And then as you grow, then you can take on maybe more junior mm. junior people as well. And then you actually have time to, to kind of do more hand-holding and, and, and kind of teach them as well. That's a good one. Yeah. So kind of like do, do a good job in your, in your hiring. Right. It's a good one, but still just one. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm like, hmm. Start from the beginning establishing the relationship with the sales team. Um, and for example, if you're hiring the field marketers, make sure that you're hiring them together with the sales team. That's even if they are in your organization, that the sales team somehow still feels committed to what you're doing. And then kind of a tangent to that, I think the third one would then be that when you are um it it can be hard in the beginning to make kind of plans when when you know things are changing quite quickly and even maybe your your cash flow may be changing and it may be dependent on that but try to as well as possible you know plan at least like three months ahead and then eventually six months ahead and so on and so forth and make sure that that plan is aligned with the sales team so that for example I don't know, rookie mistake would be to just plan too many events uh, and then there aren't actually enough salespeople to attend those events. Okay. Um, but uh, make sure that that whatever you're planning, that in a way you have like the commitment and the blessing of the sales team with you. Actually, I have a question regarding the events here. Just yesterday we heard that, and there's different opinions on this. When it comes to the events, is it the salespeople, in your opinion, that should attend? Or is it actually the marketing folks that should attend? Both. Uh, so both in terms of, um, you know, if the goal is to, uh, you know, meet new people and get leads, then I think definitely the salespeople need to be there because there you should be the ones that are uh, hopefully kind of continuing the conversation then with these people that they meet. But uh, events are a very good way for marketing people also to really get the pulse on what are people talking about. So what are, what are people struggling with um, or uh, what are kind of the top trends that, that are being also in a way pushed onto, onto the buyers. So I think it's, uh, the purpose is a little bit different, but I think they both need to, need to be there. So uh, what is in the future for 1IO? As a company, it's um, basically finding success in our, we have a new positioning, uh, we have a new messaging, uh, you know, we're, we're updating the website, we're coming kind of, the, the, the offering has been tweaked a little bit. So during next year, it's really taking it to the next level. So there's been a lot of, um, let's say, building up to this point now, uh, a lot of aligning internally, and now we're ready to kind of take the market with, with by storm uh, and really saying, like, there is a completely new way to do service integrations. Um, but for the marketing team, really what it comes down to is figuring out, like, what's our marketing mix? So I have I have a good hypothesis of, of the things that are going to work for us. And next year is about kind of proving that that's, uh, you know, which of them work and, and, and which of them don't and, and kind of keep reiterating that. Here's another thing for, for you, and uh, you're going to have to prove me wrong here. I don't believe LinkedIn ads work for any purpose. Am I wrong? I don't know. Um, so they, I've, they, I, I've seen that they have worked. And then I've seen that they've stopped working and something has happened there in, in, in the meantime. Um, 
I was just actually having a conversation about this today where I, I still believe in LinkedIn ads, but I don't believe in Google ads when your buyer is a more senior buyer. So if you're thinking about like a C-level, a director level, that's where I don't necessarily believe that Google ads is the right tool anymore. And I believe in the LinkedIn ads <laughs> if you work with account-based marketing and you have an enough big ticket size on your product. Exactly. Because it's quite expensive. Yeah. But you can target it in a very good way. And it could be maybe just also for yeah demand yam purposes not not only you know getting the conversion right ahead there yeah I, I i have to agree with you because i keep seeing ads on linkedin where i'm like oh that is spot on like well done in your targeting and your message like if i actually had a problem with that i'd be sold but i'm not looking to buy something like that right now okay so uh am i hearing that none of you believe <laughs> <laughs> that LinkedIn ads work when it's like download my white paper, but it works if it's much more high level. But you know, to capture a lead, download my twenty-five page white paper. That shit doesn't work. All right, next question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Putting you guys on the hot seat. Okay, so what I get from this is I was right. All right, Thomas, you can move on. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, what are you looking for right now? Any new hires? So actually, I'm looking for a field marketer in, in North America. Uh, and and really, what I'm kind of looking to do in the very near future is establishing like a very good content plan and strategy. My, uh, my, my content uh, friend isn't going to join the team for another month. So oh. in the, I'm, I'm, I'm highly waiting for that to happen. You're stuck in writing. Yes. <laughs> and, and lastly, who would you like to see on the show? Anyone that you think we should bring in, maybe talk about LinkedIn ads or some other interesting topic here? Yes, I, I, need, some, I need somebody that uh, can take me up on this. That, that could be a good idea. Um, let me see if I have someone who knows a lot about LinkedIn ads. But in the meantime, uh, my who I would really like to see on here, and, and, and this is a bit, uh, well, it's uh, her name's Emma Aydan Basalami, and she uh, basically leads the customer success organization at Relax. Okay. And the reason why I nominated her is that, first of all, she's built it up from scratch. Um, and built up kind of the whole, you know, what does that mean uh, in a hyperscale? And what I find fascinating is that, uh, you know, customer success is such a, a double-edged sword. Like at the same time, you are trying to drive value for the customers, but also from the customers. So working with her, for example, on how we can really make um, the customer like the best marketing kind of asset has been amazing so I'd, I'd i'd love to hear more about kind of her her thinking on that okay if you're listening to this you know we're coming for you yeah <laughs> and we know em actually she's joined the customer success uh, network uh, as well so oh, yes very good. yeah so we we have her in our circle <laughs> but great this was great alexandra and thanks for sharing all these tips and tricks here and we wish you the best of success going forward thank you See you around. 
So Daniel, what are your takeaways from this episode? Uh, first of all, I had lots of fun. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've never ever recorded a bloody podcast episode, but hey, here's here's for our first. Uh, uh, I thought this was very insightful, uh, and I appreciated her uh, three takeaways. Although it seemed like I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> But uh, I think it makes uh, a lot of sense and I've never thought about it before actually. I reacted to that specifically when she said, when you're starting off, make sure to build your core initial team with seasoned marketeers. Yeah. People that have been on this journey before for the simple reason that you don't have that much time to educate and for people to learn on the job. And I liked how she said, you know, like, the, there's a place and room for new talent and young talent, but maybe a little bit later on the journey. I've never thought of that before. I thought that was very insightful. What about you, Thomas? Yeah, you're right. I mean, many companies, they hire a marketing assistant that you know should uh, update the website and uh, do some graphic stuff uh, and so, but uh, yeah. yeah, I also like that approach. But besides that, what she says about uh, the learnings from a big company that that you, you need to, from the start, make sure that you write things down that you get things scalable as soon as you can because there is so much that you would like to do and you have limited resources so try to work smart from the beginning focus 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 it's something that everybody should uh, live by exactly all right so uh, with that we thank you for listening to today's episode uh, if you have any feedback regarding what we do or the podcast here, if you have any guests or topics that you would like to see, please reach out to us on LinkedIn or at contact at sasnordic.com. Uh, also, if you work within a B2B SaaS company, you're welcome to join the free Slack community as well. Uh, and also you can read more about this at sasnordic.com. So uh, with that, we uh, want to thank Say thank you and see you soon again. Very nice finish today, Thomas. Appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs>